Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. podcast i'm your host andy mitts tonight we actually i think are doing something that we've never done before we have three different guests um all on on their own interviews um you know we we have a lot of different things to cover um first we're going to do a quick recap of the baylor game i say quick because one the the game was a lot more painful than i thought it was going to be so we didn't end up having a whole lot to talk about um you know mike and i jump on mike mike plank and i uh, jump on for just a little bit to talk about that game, talk about the main takeaways from it, um, and then get out of there before we bring everyone down too far. Um, but however, our, our, our second interview is with Kyle Davis, also of, of Rock Talk Talk, uh, you know, good good friend of the podcast. We've had him on a few times talking about late night. Late night is coming up actually later tonight. Um, you know, Kansas is kicking off the season with. It's normal big celebration. The 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 rapper Two Chains is the special guest there. Um, obviously, we, we actually talk about a little bit with Mike about how that surprise got spoiled by David Beatty, um, and then kind of jump a little bit more into it with 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 Kyle. And you know, I, I think actually a pretty big get for for this kind of thing. Um, he's definitely a, a college basketball guy, um, and so it's it'll be interesting to see how how they do that. Um, and then finally, we wrap it up by talking with. Um, some new friends of the podcast uh, from their own podcast is called Tape Tape Doesn't Lie. Um, it is an Oklahoma State football podcast, so we're kind of spreading the wings there, getting out and uh, getting in touch with with more great podcasters around here. Um, this one has a focus on our next opponent, so he he spends a little bit of time with us previewing that game, kind of giving us some more intel on the Oklahoma State team. So, but to, you know. First, first things first. We didn't we didn't get the opportunity to have a, an episode earlier this week, so uh, I'm going to get you guys right on over to the interview I had with Mike talking about the Baylor game. And I'm joined now by Mike Plank, editor in chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how you doing? 
Doing all right today, Andy. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, I, I'm doing okay. I mean, it's been a few days since the the uh, disaster that was that Baylor game, so I've I've had a chance to cool mm. off. What what? I mean, <laughs> watching that game, what were your thoughts about the performance? Like, was it what you were expecting, or was it even worse? Um, I, I think it was worse because I expected the offense to be, um, not as inept as it was. I guess would be the best way to describe that. Um, I mean, the offense was just terrible. Uh, seven points, and that was because of one, you know, I guess you could almost call it a fluke play. You know, Puka came off tackle, and uh, I don't even remember if Baylor was just out of position or what, but, I mean, they eventually caught him, and they still got the touchdown on that drive. But, I mean, that was KU's only big play of the game. Um, the, the passing offense was non-existent, and – and Baylor just stacked the box and shut him down. And yeah, so that it, that play that you're talking about, it was a it was actually a sweep out to the right. He cut it in, I think, a little too early. Um, but it was the yeah. way it was the way it was blocked for. It looked like it was set up for him to sweep out further and go up the sideline. He found a good hole and was able to hit it and then take off with his speed. But you know, I think I think my biggest disappointment with the offense was well, one obviously that Bender was starting. Um, you know, <laughs> right. they, I don't think they really looked very good at all with him there. And it was pretty easy to tell what was going to happen on any particular play. Um, but just the way that they tried to utilize Puka Williams, you know, and I've been listening to some other podcasts and reading some other articles and I have to completely agree. I believe it was Scott Chasen over at uh, fog.net. that was talking about how, you know, they, they gave Williams so many touches, but so many of them were like in between the tackles, just like right into the teeth of the defensive line. And yeah. our blocking team was not set up for that. You know, first offensive play that we had, they had five guys. I think they, I'm sorry, I think they had seven guys in the box. And we ran it straight up the gut. And, of course, we didn't do a very good job of blocking at all. And they dropped him for a three-yard loss. So there was yeah. way too many times where they literally just tried to treat Puka Williams as any other back that can just, you know, p- pound it into the middle of the line and, and can get the runs. And, you know, really what that tells me, I don't, I don't really put this on – a lot of the offensive players, I still put it on the coaching scheme. Like anybody who is putting together a competent offense has to be able to account for what the other team is doing and be able to adjust. And we just have not seen that evidence of that from, from this coaching staff. Yeah. And uh, was it, uh, I think it was Ben Smith over at the LJ world noted that um, regarding Bender, uh, he completed, I think it was, 10 of 17 passes, but eight of those were for 10 yards or less. Right. Um, and what's the point? And like, if Bender is your, you know, quote unquote, downfield passing quarterback, what's the point of having him in there if he's not going to throw the ball down the field? Exactly. So, all right. Well, I don't want to sit there and just complain about that the entire time. Obviously, I think the big, the biggest news that come out of the game, um, because, you know, any rational, any rational KU fan probably was not expecting Baylor to lose that game, um, but it would have to be the what, what appears to be an injury to Miles Kendrick. Um, we still don't know how serious it is, how long it's going to keep him out. But right. I mean, how he went down on that one successful touchdown drive that they had. You know, he had a big play to pick up to pick up a first down, I believe. Got tackled hard, looked to be kind of grabbing on his shoulder, and then he handed it off to Puka Williams, who, who had a 72-yard run at that point, and then we never saw. Uh, Kendrick ever again in the game. So um, there is question about whether he has a long-term shoulder injury. 
of course, we're not getting any information at all out of the team about it. So how right. worried are you that, that we're basically done seeing Kendrick for the year? Uh, I'm not terribly worried because I think he's pretty comparable to Carter Stanley in terms of skill set, skill sets. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm an unashamed Carter Stanley fan. So that's, that's just fine with me. Um, but, uh, you know, I obviously hope he's okay and hope he can come back, you know, relatively quickly. Um, but if he needs to take a few games out and we need to, we get some Carter Stanley time, like, you know, I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, and thinking about it too, like this happened at the perfect time because if it happened a game later, there's, there's nothing we could have done in terms of, uh, Miles Kendrick. But because it happened in game four, he's played four games. If this is right, right. actually a serious injury and it keeps him out for any significant portion of the season, you have he's the option to redshirt. redshirt him. Right. Right. So in a way, this could kind of be a blessing in disguise. Um, based off of what's happening, you know, I'm not expecting this team to really do much. Um, they might be able to win the K-State game, but that's probably about it the rest of the year. So having him for an extra year, while it sucks to not have him because of an injury, it may actually help us in, in the – in, in, in the long run. So like you said, he doesn't have an extremely dif- different skill set from a guy like Carter Stanley. So it's not a huge loss for what the team can do. But honestly, I do think for whatever reason that this team or that, that the coaching staff has soured on Stanley and would have been more likely to play a guy like Miles Kendrick as opposed to playing Bender. I think we're stuck now at this point with Bender as the starter for the rest of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, so it would seem. Uh, and then we'll see, I'm sure we'll see Carter Stanley at some weird times, you know, after yeah. scoring drives or um, just in garbage time, but, uh, or in the middle of a drive. I mean, it's these guys you never even know. So, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, who knows when we'll see them. So I don't want to, unfortunately, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time being really upset about this, about this game because we do have a lot to look forward to with late night coming up on Friday. So uh, I actually, We'll be talking with uh, a few other people about that, but I did want to ask you: was there was there anything else that stuck out to you about this game that just you know that you just can't hold in? Like you've you've got to get off your chest. <laughs> I I guess I guess I'll take this opportunity to to just mention real quick, and we don't need to spend much time on it at all. But uh, uh, the timeout situation, and I think. Uh, uh, I think Jesse Newell at the Star wrote about that a little bit. And, of course, Beatty did as usual, um, you know, media speak or whatever, where he's like, it's unacceptable and this can't happen again. And, you know, he tried to explain why they took the timeouts when they did. But I think I think Jesse Newell wrote that KU used five of their six timeouts against Baylor. All five of them were on defense. Right. Uh, although I don't that, – that's not right, though, because – that, that can't be right because they used one of them to ice their own kicker in the first quarter. So yeah, no, yeah, that's that's. I don't believe that's what he actually said. I don't have the the article. With yeah, him. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it right. Or maybe that was, I guess I, Nichols or somebody. I don't remember. It's yeah, uh, yeah, one of the games this year they did that. It wasn't Baylor, but um, but yeah, the the timeout calling the the clock management is atrocious and yeah, just so, just another example of why. We probably need a coaching change. Right. The The vast majority of their timeouts this year have either been on fourth down before they kick it or on defense in a situation that it doesn't really make sense to do it. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, Fetch over on the Rock Chalk Talk uh, Twitter page had the perfect, I think, quote to, or the perfect response to that in saying, is this a quote from today or from 2016? Because <laughs> yeah. we have heard him say that multiple times. He's been having these problems yeah. for a really long time. 
it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, yeah, ultimately, no however the season turns out, even if we somehow miraculously pull off a couple wins, I'm hoping that, you know, these types of articles that are getting written and this, this constant over and over having to say the exact same thing about, you know, timeout and, and coaching decisions and things like that is enough evidence to say, let's go ahead and move on. Even if somehow we get, you know, a win against K-State um, and some other win that makes people think, oh, maybe there's a glimmer of hope. There really isn't a glimmer of hope. The games we've won this year have been in despite the coaching staff, not because of anything that the coaching staff has done. So, all right. Well, um, we'll go, I think we'll go ahead and actually leave it there. I'd like to go ahead and, you know, spend a lot more time on more positive things, but uh, you know, the only other thing I will, uh, I, I will mention here, it, it seems kind of appropriate and yet perplexing that somehow David Beatty, spoiled the surprise of who was coming to perform at late night, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I don't know if he did that on purpose or if he did that accidentally on purpose or if it was a complete accident. Like, I I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I actually made a comment as well from the from the Rock Chalk Pod uh, Twitter account. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm surprised that he couldn't keep that deep secret since you know he's been able to keep so many other secrets like who our starting quarterback is going to be the last few years so <laughs> no, that's a fair point oh boy all right well we'll go ahead and leave that there hopefully i mean i'm not I'm, I'm in no way expecting a positive result against oklahoma state this weekend but i'm just hoping it doesn't get too bad so mike thanks thanks for joining me today thanks for having me andy all right we'll catch you next time you got it bud all right now that we're done with those depressing thoughts about kansas football it's time to turn to something a little bit more positive um, up next, I have for you Kyle Davis, again, uh, one of the other writers over at Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, he is, um, you know, we, we sat down and talked a little bit about late night and then couldn't help ourselves and did a little tiny bit of, of season preview, but really just getting super excited about how much talent we have on this roster. So I will go ahead and get you guys right on over there. And I'm joined now by Kyle Davis. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. It's 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 great to have you back on here. Um, we're actually gonna gonna turn to what you, we can never actually talk about too early as as KU fans. The the college basketball season is about to be upon us. Um, this episode is actually coming out on Friday, which is the same day that Kansas has late night in the fog. Um, so first of all, how excited are you for the official start of basketball season? I mean, I'm always excited for it. I do. I appreciate that. You know, I'm not ready to to count the football season over yet, but it was nice for uh, the Kansas football team to give us something to to enjoy and look at for a couple of weeks before the season started. But yeah, I mean, that's you know, once you once you start hitting uh, October, it gets a little colder. You can just feel that that college basketball is around the corner, and and it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would have, I would have liked for them to at least, you know, get one more week of good, good uh, football play so that we could have had a lot of fun, positive vibes going into this weekend. But um, yeah, it's too bad we couldn't, uh, the Iowa State or the, the maybe even K-State game wasn't this week because, you know, maybe KU can keep that within 14 points. But against Oklahoma State, it doesn't seem very optimistic. Yeah, not at all. So, all right. So, but, but let's go ahead and jump back into football. Uh, I'm sorry, not football. Wow. I'm in the, I'm not, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go ahead and cut that out. Let, 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 let's go ahead and jump right into the basketball talk here. Uh, late night obviously is coming. The, the one football related note to that is that somehow David Beatty spoiled on Hawk Talk, 
um, this Monday night that the the guest of honor, the the musical guest, was going to be Two Chains. So first of all, I'm going to ask you, what do you know about the rapper Two Chains? Uh, I know that I know that Two Chains is uh, from Atlanta, and I know that uh, so apparently now this whole Super Bowl halftime show. I think there's enough backlash on Maroon 5. I heard a lot of people say he should have been involved with that. Uh, and I know that he's uh, he's a big hoops guy, so I think it makes sense. Uh, I, I think he's played in, like, the, you know, the NBA All-Star game. You know, they always do the uh, celebrity game uh, the, that Friday night. I think he's played in that a couple times. I was doing some quick Googling right before this, and he apparently, fun fact, played college basketball at Alabama State uh, before he was 2 chain. So, uh I don't know. You know, we there's that famous video of of Drake at Kentucky's uh, version of Late Night where he's airballing a three. I wouldn't hate to see. Maybe we'll get some good video of Two Chains taking some shots <laughs> and hopefully doing better than Drake did. Yeah, I'm wondering how they're going to incorporate him into. I mean, because it's obviously he's going to come and, and and perform a little bit. Um, but in the in the past, I know that there's been talk about them trying to kind of get the performers to somehow get more involved in the festivities, it would be great to see him, especially since he does have that college basketball background. Um, you're right. Yeah. He, he attended college at, uh, at Alabama state university was there on a scholarship and played on their team from 1995 to 1997. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has a college basketball background. It definitely makes a lot of sense for him, uh, to come and, you know, go to a college basketball type of opening event. Uh, I am a little curious as to why why he's here at the Kansas one. Not that it, you know, I would say anyone would turn it down, but I didn't. I, I'm not aware of any kind of um, link he has specifically to the program or or anybody that's on the staff or anything like that. But you know, if if you get a guy that's willing to come like that, I, I don't think you can really turn down someone who has his his celebrity status. So. Yeah, and if you're if you're a hoops junkie, which it sounds like he is, then you know, Kansas is a blue blood and earned kind of that right to. You know, we might this might have been his only offer, but still, you know, if it's a if it's a program like that and you're a big enough uh, hoops guy, then why not uh, why not take advantage? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, um, obviously, the, the the entertainment gets a decent number of people to come into the door. But the main draw for the night, obviously, is is the actual basketball teams. Um, I, I don't know that we have too much to talk about with the women's team one because they are kind of still rebuilding under Brandon Schneider. Um, but also just because of how stacked this men's basketball team is, it's going to be kind of hard for the story to really be about anything other than them. Um, so, so first of all, you know, I know we usually just kind of see a glorified scrimmage during, during late night, but you know, there was actually a rumor or a a quote from one of the players saying that, you know, this year they're actually going to play a little bit of defense, um, kind of, you know. Uh, assuming that they haven't in the past. I, I Unfortunately, I've never had I – I've only been able to go to one late night when I was on campus, um, which was several, several years ago. Uh, so, I mean, what what are you kind of expecting? Are you expecting us to, to really see anything other than, like, a glorified scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, you know, there might be some, some defense played, but, you know, we know that's not going to be the focal point by any means, and especially with, you know, we've, there's enough dynamic – uh, offensive players that, you know, it's not going to be a, uh, a defensive chess match by any means, I don't think. But there are, I think, some interesting uh, things to watch and storylines. You're not going to pick up too much from this game, obviously. Um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see because, you know, going into the season, I would say my the storyline I'm most interested in is is uh, 
Dotson and, and Charlie um, to see yeah. who right to see who's going to play uh, point guard and start. I know obviously they'll both get a lot of time, but you know uh, Dotson's so so quick and he's got great highlights. But you've heard nothing but uh, how Charlie's progressed and gotten better in this this season and this off season and this year he sat out. So it'd be really interesting to see. I'm, I would assume that they would be. Uh, manning opposite squads in the scrimmage to see kind of how both of them are able to kind of run the job. And, you know, there's, you're not going to take away anything, uh, you know, big or, or uh, just demonstrative from, from late night of scrimmage, but, you know, you'll get a really good look at who's going to run your team. Cause I do think we've really, I mean, taken advantage of the fact that at this crucial position, you have not had to worry about it at all for the last, four or five years. And I don't think you're going to have to worry about it this year, but it's going to be a new face and you're not going to have that familiar staple like you've had with either Frank or Devante. Yeah. I mean, I also think just given the fact that we have essentially two starting lineups on this team, um, right. You know, I'm going to be really interested to see who gets paired together on which teams, um, you know, while, Defense never really seems to be a problem come the end of the year because Bill Self is so adamant that they develop those defensive skills. Um, you know, the, the real questions here are how are these guys going to gel offensively? Um, and so getting getting to see different people that are that are playing together and how they interact with each other, I think will inform a lot of what we can expect to see from these guys. Um, I think the huge question marks that are standing out there is, you know, LeGerald Vick, is he going to be able to be that, outside three-point threat um and it may not even be as much about him but as who else on the team can show some three-point shooting during this scrimmage so that guys can you know salivate about more than just LeGerald Vic being an outside shooter so um there are still some huge questions here and while obviously you know it's a it's a scrimmage setting so it's not like anyone's playing some really solid defense the guys will get to showcase their offensive skills and give everybody plenty of rumors to start about who's going to get to play and how people are going to fit into the lineup. Yeah. And when you talk about LeGerald too, the biggest thing I'm interested with him, uh, we won't be able to necessarily see from late night because that's just kind of his, you know, we've heard all of this stuff and read all this stuff about his demeanor completely changing and his attitude and he's becoming much more vocal. We might be able to see some of that if he's, if he's talking a lot more on the court and really kind of taking on that senior leadership, that'll be an interesting to see. But yeah, just as much as the three, I'm interested as the season progresses to see if he can kind of maintain this new position that is being talked about him. And then I guess the other side, because you mentioned that it's so, so deep, uh, is going to be the post play because you'll, you'll be able to see some version of, of Diedrich Lawson and, and Doak with, you know, D'Souza, some Mitch in there, David McCormick, like that. I think that's going to be a really intriguing, uh, four man kind of uh, game within a game at late night as much as you can watch, but to really see who's standing out in terms of, uh, you know, you know, Diedrich's going to be able to shoot it a little bit. I'm guessing he'll show off some of his range, but I kind of want to see how, how McCormick is able to crash the boards and be aggressive. And then obviously, you know, Doak is going to dunk everything. So that's another interesting thing where you're probably, you know, that's going to uh, kind of be a, a show of what's to come just in terms of the, the insane depth and riches that you have at the big man positions. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm really hoping, I'm not sure how they're going to line them up, but I, I really, I'm hoping to see some Azubuke on McCormick and then uh, Lawson on Silvio. Uh, you know, I, I'm really curious to see how those matchups will go. I think those are kind of the more likely position battles anyway. I think McCormick is more likely to play center when he's on the court. Um, 
and then and then Lawson and, and Silvio are both kind of more likely to play that that power forward role. Um, and so I'd be interested to see. Like I, I'm hoping that we that we would have uh, Azubuke and then Lawson on opposite teams. But of course, you don't really know what all you're going to get there. Um, I, again, I'm not really familiar with how they've done done it in the in the recent past. Um, Part of that too, though, is you know just not having as deep of a rotation. It gives them a lot of options to really play around with lineups and and give us something that's a little bit more entertaining. So and don't um, forget about Mitch, who's uh, apparently put on about twenty pounds of muscle and you're he's very, very true. on all the team photos. And oh man, you know, yes, but those those team photos the, they came out the other day. The prison, at, the prison, Mitch. Uh, yeah, nicknames that are coming out is fantastic, and I you know I don't expect him to to suddenly jump necessarily McCormick and, and DeSosa, but I mean, if, if he's kind of reshaped his body and if he's able to, you know, be that fifth guy at seven or eight minutes a game that can now like hold his own a little bit more uh, and, and be a little more aggressive and rebounding and that sort of thing. I mean, then, then that's by far the best case scenario, but yeah, good for him for looking to uh, uh, make the most of the off season, at least from, from what we can gain in uh, pictures. Yeah, I mean, so you actually brought up a couple different points. First of all, when those came out, my first thought was, man, it looks like they just photoshopped a bunch of people, <laughs> like a bunch of faces onto these bodies because they look completely different. Every single one of those guys honestly looks a lot stronger than they were last year. And that's saying something for a guy like Asabuke. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of see how all that all that plays. But the other thing you kind of brought up that really kind of struck me is just with how deep this team is. You know, we could have, like, you would have to assume that Azubuke is going to play as much as possible, but he averaged just over 20 minutes last, 20 minutes a game last year. So, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised if he's only averaging around 20 minutes a game this year again. Um, Diedrich Lawson is a guy that you have to think is going to be on the court as much as possible. So he could probably get, you know, if he wanted to, 30, 30 to 35 minutes a game. But with how many other guys they have to get on the court, you know, I'm really curious to see who is going to to lead the team in minutes per game because I could see it coming from any of the five positions because they just decided a guy is is playing really well. Like if you had to handicap it, I think Diedrich Lawson is probably the most likely to be the guy that's on the court for the longest in each game. But um, yeah, the fact yeah, that, I would say probably him first, and then maybe a Quentin Grimes uh, as as maybe the second most uh, likely, just because he's he's so dynamic and he's you know even though you can you can pair him with with either Dotson and Vic, or you can pair him with maybe even Dotson and Moore together, and he can really hold that three position down. So he's one to, I'm guessing, get his fair share of minutes as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the other thing is, you know, I think Quentin Grimes is the only guy who doesn't have an immediate backup that comes to mind. Um, to is, is, Lawson, is, the, is, is, uh, is Lawson uh, the is 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 Lawson KJ Right, he's going to probably be in the in the three behind him. I mean, he can also play the four. He's, you know, kind of a Swiss Army knife. But I'm guessing if you had to do too deep, you would probably put. Well, are you are you talking about Diedrich Lawson? Like, no, no, no. I'm talking about four. Okay, okay. My understanding was that he is more of a two, um, and we have we have quite a few guys that can play that that two position. So, um, you know, the only one who's really a true three, I think, is Quentin Grimes. Whereas the the other guys could play the three especially if we play a large, like if, if we go a big lineup, someone like Diedrich Lawson could, you know, shift over to a three, Mitch Lightfoot could switch to three, um, that kind of stuff. Or if we went with a, with a really guard heavy lineup, you know, we have plenty of guys that could play the, the two that could shift down and take that three spots so that, 
um, Quentin Grimes could actually play as a four if they were in a, in a, you know, very guard centric lineup. But, um, you know, Quentin, Quentin Grimes is one of those guys that he doesn't, you know, he's the only one that I think is, is, is a true three. And so he's going to get the vast majority of those minutes, I think, unless they really decide that they want to go, um, really big one way or the other and, and give him a, an actual chance to rest. Um, I do think yeah. it's going to have to be an active effort to get him a bunch of rest though. Right. And that, on the flip side, you know, kind of going back to your Azubuki point real quick, I don't think you need to worry about much more than 20 to 25 minutes a game with him because he's at his best when he's, you know, rested and able to come in and give it all and run the floor a little bit better in those shorter spurts. And if you've got the, if you've got the length, why not, focus on him having 20 to 25 very productive double double minutes uh and then you know you've got plenty of guys to support him yeah it'll be more interesting to see how this guard lineup comes together because from a little bit of i've read it sounds like kj can also kind of have, like he used to slide down and play the three a little bit at memphis but you've got legerald and ever you could go two point guards and you got grimes you got legerald in there you can you can do a lot of different things kj at the two so um, I'm guessing that it'll probably be a solid month until the season, like through the, the season before you really kind of see how these guard lineups are going to fill out and who's going to be the, the best one together. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I don't want to get too deep into, you know, college basketball preview one, because after late night, we still have over a month before we have an official game. Um, and, and, and the exhibitions are just, just over a month after you know, the late night as well. So it's going to be a while before we get into action. We'll have plenty of time to go ahead and talk about this, especially if the KU football team continues to, to, to fall off the cliff. Like, like we're for the most part, I think expecting them to, but, uh, but Kyle, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for joining me tonight. Any other final thoughts about late night or anything like that before we sign off for the night? No, I don't think so. I think it'll be, you know, this will be an interesting team just compared to last year, because I think, uh, you know, obviously depth was concerned last year. Uh, there wasn't a lot of space between the Jayhawks and opponents just because of that. So you didn't see a lot of blowouts. Uh, it, it was, you know, I think sometimes those closer games bode well for them last year, but it'll be interesting to see how this team kind of adjusts because even though they've got some really tough non-conference games, I could see them just by sheer talent and having 10 guys who can all play at that high level having some not so close games early. So it'll be interesting to see how they can kind of, from a mental standpoint, adjust and keep that intensity uh, for then when there is a nail biter and who that, who that team that's going to give them that first real nail biter is going to be. Yeah. I mean, we, we could see it nice and early against Michigan state. Um, We could see it actually pretty much all throughout. Um, You know, I was looking at the, at the schedule and kind of some comparative in Kansas Kansas actually looks to have one of the tougher non-conference schedules in the nation. They they usually have a pretty tough one, um, but having two really huge teams in in Michigan State and Kentucky in that non-conference, um, you know, they have Villanova at home. I mean, they've got some really big names and some really big games to kind of uh, look, look look forward to there. It's really good that they have this talented of a lineup, but, um, you know, I, I think going into the year – it's going to be, we've, we've done this the last couple of years now where we have tried to predict, you know, like who's going to be the most important uh, players for the individual team each year, uh, who's going to get the most minutes, that, that type of stuff. 
it's going to be completely up in the air this year. I, I have a really hard time, you know, thinking that anyone is going to actually be right about that because there's so many different ways they could go. The season could come through in so many different ways. So there's lots yeah, there of reasons is. to be excited. There, there is, but that is an interesting point too, because I saw, I think, you know, or you've seen CBS and NBC and all of them are doing their, their kind of preseason all America look ahead. And it's interesting because Diedrich Lawson is getting a lot of love, but he's the only Jayhawk. And you think, Oh, that's kind of, I mean, you've got Quentin Grimes who is a, is predicted one and done. You've got uh Doak and you've got all these other guys, but just because there, there's so many and you don't really know, what to expect in terms of minutes and points just because they're going to spread it out too well. It's kind of hard to put your finger on another guy or two who's going to get that kind of national recognition, maybe outside of Diedrich, just because, I mean, there's there's going to be so many guys on that team that every night it's going to be their night and they're going to be the one to get 20 and 10 and, and Doak won't have to do as much as he's had to in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm willing to, to go out on a limb because the, all, the All-American teams at the end of the year, I believe they do have first, second, and third team. Um, do. I'm willing to make to go out on a limb and say that there will be at least two Jayhawks on those three teams. Um, actually, I might even say that there's going to be three Jayhawks on those three teams. But the only guy that I'm comfortable saying is going to be on there is Dietrich Lawson. Like he's the only guy that I think is definitely going to be on one of the top three teams. Um, there's there's enough talent for, in a bunch of different other places in the lineup that any one of those guys could go on a tear and be on a national team at the end of the year. Um, but I could also make the same case for every single one of those guys that someone else is going to get a breakout year and and they're going to end up on the team as well instead of them. So um, right, you uh, you feel you feel extremely confident that that someone's going to do it, but you can't bet money on who it's going to be just because there's so many options. Well, right, just for example, Charlie Moore. At point guard, everyone, you know, all the talk coming into this year before Devin Dotson really kind of heated up uh, was that Charlie Moore was going to step in and he was going to take over the point the point guard role. And he was, you know, we weren't really going to lose too much going to him. Um, but now all the rage that I've heard recently is about how great of a point guard Devin Dotson is. And they'd be lucky to have him starting out the year and really seizing that role. So both of those guys, I think, would be very competent as the main point guard. Um, and which is also kind of makes me think that they're going to split it um, just because Bill Self likes, likes his, uh, you know, he, he likes to have that, that experience there. Um, but if everything is true that I'm hearing about how talented Devin Dotson is, there's no way that he's going to get left off um, and, and really mitigated into a very small bench role. So, um, and, and that kind of situation gets repeated in pretty much every single position on the team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they split up the minutes and who's going to be able to do enough with probably limited, more limited minutes than you would typically get from a guy who's that talented, um, just because of how much talent there is on this team. It feels weird, you know, almost being like a Kentucky team, except for the fact that not everybody's a freshman. Right. It's a, I think Gary Parrish likes to put this stat out there that Kansas is the only team that's got, I think it's seven guys who have averaged 12 points a game at the collegiate level so far. So whether it's at Kansas or somewhere else, they transferred over. And so, yeah, it's like, it's the talent of Kentucky, but you've got guys who have actually done it before in, in division one. Right. And that's, you know, again, we're probably going to talk about this a lot when we actually get close to that Kansas Kentucky game. But um, you know, the one knock that they always have on Kentucky is that sure. They have tons of talented guys, but they don't have enough college experience to really lean on that experience when stuff gets tough. Um, Kansas has a lot of talented guys and all of them have been there, 
uh, you know, or I'm sorry, the vast majority of them have been on a campus for at least a couple of years now, um, you know, sitting out for, for a transfer year and having played somewhere else as well. So uh, there's only a couple guys that are, you know, that we're considering are going to be huge impacts on this team that don't have that experience. And the ones that do, they're, you know, they're those, those one and done are really big stars that you would expect to be able to step in if they've got enough around them. So whereas Kentucky teams are normally five or six star freshmen that are all trying to learn to play together. There's a lot of experience on this team. There's a lot of guys that can kind of help the freshmen get acclimated a lot quicker. Um, And so I'm really excited to see how this team shakes out. I'm sure there's going to be at least one or two guys that maybe kind of wish they would have more playing time, but there's going to be so much success going around in this team that I think it's going to be pretty simple for those guys to say, okay, I can wait till next year, um, you know, kind of soak this up as much as we can. And then, and then next year will be my year to, to, to run with the team. So. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be, there might not be that many close games early on, but there's definitely going to be enough storylines to keep it interesting. Uh, it's not going to be dull by any means. Yep. Definitely not. All right. Well, I already tried to wrap it up once and we got off on another tangent again, so we'll go ahead and actually cut it off here. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to make the episode too long, and I want to leave us plenty of stuff to talk about in the in the basketball season. But Kyle, thanks, thanks for joining me tonight. So now that we've gotten you guys all hyped up with Kansas basketball, it's time to jump back to the football team and think about what we have coming up right after late night. The next morning, we have our our homecoming game. It is an early morning game, which should be an interesting experience. I think. Um, I don't know that it's going to help too much with the crowd, but uh, we we actually get into that a little bit here with this with this interview so uh but uh up next we do have it's mitch from the tape doesn't lie podcast uh like i said earlier he is uh it is an oklahoma state podcast they're actually a pretty new podcast as you'll hear during the interview here so before i ruin too much more what we talk about i'll go ahead and get you right on over and i'm joined now by mitch from the tape doesn't lie podcast uh correct correct me if i'm wrong but it's a podcast that talks about oklahoma state football or is it more than just that well, uh, the name is a little deceiving, but it is just an Oklahoma State football podcast. Uh, I can right. see where the confusion would come in. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I heard at one point that it was like recruiting focused and then another time that it was a bunch of different other stuff. So I just thought we would get that out there. So how long how long you guys been doing that podcast? So this is actually our inaugural year. Uh, me and my partner, Adam, uh, do this. Uh, partner as in podcast partner. Uh, right, right. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, we actually we this is our I think our third season. Um, but, you know, it's been quite the ride. It's always fun to to talk to people that have just kind of started because it's it's definitely a different experience that that first year you do it. So sure. Yeah, we're about seven episodes in and we might have the sound down. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like I don't have it down yet at all anyway. So um, but OK, so let's let's go ahead and jump in. Obviously, we have sure. you here to talk about the Oklahoma State Kansas game that's coming up this weekend. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of Kansas football fans that honestly were a little self-absorbed because our team is so bad. It just hurts too much to try to compare ourselves to competent (laughs) teams. So um, a lot of people probably don't know too much about this Oklahoma state team, except for what they've seen on national television the last few weeks. So um, what, what were the expectations for this Oklahoma state team coming into the year? Sure. So uh, Vegas uh, had our over under at about eight wins. Doing our analysis, I, I assumed eight or nine wins would be a pretty decent year for us. We are breaking in a new quarterback. Um, our de- we got a new defensive coordinator as well. A lot of, you know, we have an elite running back, but a lot of our, there was a lot of eggs up in the air. And so 
it could have been any it could be anything uh, from six and six to you know a ten win year if we uh you know had some things go the right way but you know obviously last week those things did not go the right way yeah i mean you know last week we'll actually get to that in just a minute but uh sure the 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 year actually seemed to start out pretty well you guys had a huge win against boise state right um i mean was was that kind of what you were expecting or did you think there'd be a few more road bumps along the way right so i aggregated all the lsu quote-unquote experts and uh I included myself in there, of course, and uh, I had us course. winning. <laughs> I had us winning by a field goal. Uh, my colleague Adam had us losing. Uh, I didn't let him forget that. And every other uh, pundit had us uh, actually losing the game. So I, I don't know if it was a false hope that we were going to overachieve that, but I think we had realistic expectations that that game was going to be a tough game, and I think. A lot of, and most people thought we were going to end up losing that game. But, you know, we played well. We had a couple of great block punts, that sort of thing, and turned what could have been a close game into really a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I think I was a little surprised. You know, it, it was it was a close game for a while, but just to kind of see the way that they they really wore down Boise State and then just and yeah. just pulled away at the end. Uh, kind of flip flip side of that, it seemed like that was kind of what was happening in this last game against Texas Tech. I know you guys came in as pretty big favorites in that game um, f- from everything that I was seeing. What happened there? I mean, it was, is is it that Texas Tech's offense was just a little bit too much for your defense to handle, or, or were you guys having other other problems offensively yourself? Sure. And, I, you know, first off, i got to give it to Cliff Kingsbury. You know, a lot of times he gets a lot of a bad reputation around as not being a great coach or in-game guy but he had a great game plan he his offense ran a lot of nice stuff they they were they had a true freshman quarterback in Bowman that's going to be around for a few years and should make all of us a little worried about that they their defense they run that tight uh formation up front with the three down linemen and they really keyed in on our run game as well as uh dared our first year starting quarterback uh, Taylor Cornelius to beat us, to beat them. And, you know, we got a little impatient on the offensive side and our defense really seemed out of whack after our best player uh, on defense, Calvin Bundage, our, you know, our Deneen of our team got hurt about the fifth play of the game and we never really recovered. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it sounds like just a little bit of injury, and mis- misfortune along with just – I mean, it, it honestly, it, it kind of sounds like things just kind of snowballed on, on, on you guys yeah. at the end. So. And, the, and Tech came in and they beat us. You know, there, there's no excuses for it. They they came yeah. in and played a heck of a game. They they look, they look surprised me because I didn't think they had it in them uh, watching their previous weeks. I, I just didn't see it. And they came in and they could run the ball and they could throw the ball. And, and if Cliff can get that running game going, they're going to be a, a scary team. Yeah, I mean, I know that we were talking preseason. It looked like this was going to be a year that Texas Tech was going to have problems and maybe Cliff Kingsbury was finally going to get, you know, ousted. Um, he seems to be doing really well at the beginning of the season. We'll see if he can keep it up. So, yeah. But so so back to the game that we have this sure. this weekend. Um, I think the biggest storyline coming into this game is the fact we've got the number one and number two rushing leaders for the Big 12 Conference in this game. Uh, Puka Williams and... 
Justice, Justice Hill yeah. have been trading back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think last week Puka actually led by one one yard, and now Justice is up by I think eleven yards coming into this week. So, um, are, are you expecting this to be a very run heavy game from both teams? Sure. So last week Justice Hill only got twelve carries, and uh, you know it, it's heck of impressive that. Puka didn't even play in that first game, and he's right up there with them in terms yeah. of yards. Um, I do think we're going to focus on the run a lot this week because last week we didn't, and I think that really was a downfall of us. You know, Justice Hill only had 12 carries, but we also have a couple other good running backs, and they didn't get any carries at all hardly. So I think rushing will be a key part of this game for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So, so you talked about the overall rushing game. I mean, is is that really what keys this Oklahoma State offense, or or how would you characterize the offense? So, you know, the we really do uh, play off the positive plays. I, I think the positive yards on first and second down really lead us to success. We are definitely one of the teams that give the most big plays and would lead the league every year in, you know, the most 10-plus-yard plays uh, for our offense. But without the success on first and second down with our run game, none of that can really get set up. And especially this year with uh, our quarterback, Taylor Cornelius, he's – he, you know, he's a fifth year. Um, He started off as a walk-on, and now he's starting. He knows the offense well. But, you know, he has his weaknesses. He's – he, he and so the the run game is really going to be how we succeed this year. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the Big 12 statistic leaders. Um, you know, it looks uh, obviously with, with with Justice Hill leading the rushing, but you guys also have Taylor Cornelius um, actually has the second most yards out of the Big 12, and I believe you have a couple of receivers up in the top five as well. For, yes. for receiving yards. So it seems like you guys have a pretty prolific offense. Was was that really the strength of the team coming into the year? or the, That really was. Uh, we have a lot of uh, wide receiver depth where we had. Um, this week they announced that Jalen McCleskey, our slot receiver, is uh, actually transferring. He was a big part of Oklahoma State's uh, success, top 10 in catches in OSU history, that sort of thing. But he decided to move on with the new – four-game redshirt rule and, you know, wish him the best. But that really cuts into our depth. We have uh, Tylen Wallace, who is a sophomore this year out of Fort Worth, and he's got elite ball ability, you know, high points the ball well. One of those kind of guys that gets 80% of the 50-50 balls. And uh, our we, we do have the skill position players, and our defense is – always been our question mark yeah i mean it's it's kind of i think that is the profile of a lot of big 12 teams that the offenses usually run pretty well but the defense right uh, definitely leaves something to be desired um but so so the the big story obviously with with kansas is how well they've been able to get turnovers in the games that they've played well um how how often does this team turn over the ball is there any concerns with guys being able to hold on to the ball Sure. So actually, when I saw the stat that you guys have a plus four turnover margin, I said that on our podcast this week. And my uh, and Adam made me 
double check before he had posted because he thought I was, I misread the the stat. So uh, that's a heck of an impressive thing for you guys. What uh, was the what was the turnover margin you had? It's uh, plus four per game. Uh, yeah, per, okay, per game. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Game, I was like, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I believe, yeah, they because they were at plus twelve. Right. Um, actually, and so yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's I I couldn't believe it, but uh, Cornelius is he, he can get a little tricky with the ball. He had two picks in each of the first ga- two games and did well against Boise protecting the ball, but also had a pick against Tech. We also had a muff punt, um, which, you know, special teams is never all a strength for us. And so we we are susceptible to that, and that would be a way that you guys can uh, keep it close and, you know, make it an interesting game for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think – so I, I guess really let's let's kind of dive into it. How, how do you think Kansas is able to compete in this game and, and stay with Oklahoma State? Sure. So I wrote down some things that I think uh, the roadmap for Kansas to win was first off turnovers. We've already touched on that. Um, Cornelius is our quarterback is a little uh, slow to read things pre-snap has a tough time getting through his progression. So if you can get to the quarterback, get to us and, you know, make him make mistakes, make him uncomfortable, you know, get him thinking back to how, the tech game went that that can really get us going down the wrong way and obviously stopping the run. That's going to be big for your offense though. I think you're going to have to make plays in the passing game. And I know that with Bender and all that, that's not a huge strength for you guys, but with make get, maybe get Sims on a long pass or something, because you're really going to have to open up our uh, defense and, you know, make us respect the run, the pass. You know, obviously Puka needs a signature game, and um, I know your new your offensive coordinator is Meacham, who's Oklahoma State fans know he, he was right. on our staff for a long time. So if he he comes up with a great game plan and you know gets all these things rolling, you know who knows what can happen. Yeah, I mean, so really, I, I guess I think the mo- the most important matchup there, and let me know if you think otherwise, is going to be your guys' defensive line against our offensive line. Yeah, um, they've been our, our offense in games that we played well. The offensive line has surprisingly been able to hold up, um, but you know, the, the the last game against Baylor and then the first game against uh, Nickel State, they just really haven't been able to do much at all. Um, how how strong is the Oklahoma State defensive front? Sure. So we have 19 sacks this year, which is the most in the conference. Oh, by that's a crazy. Lot. Uh, TCU has 11, so that's their number two with 11, and we have 19. Uh, we have a, a bunch of good dudes on the offensive, the defensive line, and we have depth at it as well. We have uh, Brelford, who's really quick, and he's just got good hands. Owen, Scott, all these guys. We have, actually have 10 guys with a sack this year. So we have the depth, and we – come up with some exotic packages to kind of blitz or send four guys in a unique way. So it will be a challenge, I think, for Kansas's offensive line. But if we don't get any pressure, that's when our defense really falls apart. So if they can, you know, slow down that rush, then, you know, bad things could happen for us. Yeah, I'm not too confident that that's actually going to happen, though. I mean, you know, Nickel State had guys that were honestly undersized compared to us. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, although the way that they were playing, you wouldn't have even known that. So, uh, I mean, it sounds like from everything you're talking about, the way to attack them is in the passing game. But if our offensive line can't protect, it sounds like we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, um, on the flip side, how worried are you about what the Kansas defense does? So I watched the Baylor game, and it seemed you guys were doing a lot of the three-man front that's popular in the Big 12 now. Tech ran it against us really well. Uh, Iowa State runs the same kind of thing. And they are also switching up with some four-man fronts too. I am worried about our quarterback, right? So our quarterback, I, I have faith in a lot of our fans are getting a little antsy with but we uh he he's not really good at throwing down the middle or throwing the deep ball and some of that quarter zones that you guys run and uh watching the Baylor game it seemed as though the safeties could kind of sneak up on some balls and get beat from behind and I don't I just don't know if our quarterback's going to be the best at exploiting that so that makes me nervous but if we can establish the run then you know, that thing, it, it can just be a downhill offense that really, you know, just makes you, depletes you, your energy and makes you not want to go back out. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it sounds like in the games that Kansas played well, the the offense, or I'm sorry, the, the middle of the defense has really shut down the run and then, yeah. which opens it up for the, for the defensive backs to get in there and, and cut out some lanes and things like that. So, uh, I mean, it sounds like we've got another intriguing matchup. Last week, I thought that Kansas could kind of hang with Baylor, and unfortunately, sure. they got behind a little too early, which put, I think, a little bit too much pressure on them. I'm I'm anticipating we're probably going to have something similar this week where Kansas may, may be able to hang with Oklahoma State for a quarter or so, um, but I'm, I'm concerned about them being able to, to really make an impression. Now, it will help that it's at home, but it also doesn't help that late night uh, to, to kick off the basketball season is the night before, and then it's oh. an 11, and then it's an 11 a.m kickoff so i'm wondering how much the crowd's going to be into it overall what are your what are your what is your prediction for this game sure so vegas currently has a line about 17 with over under 62 and i i just think that we aren't going to be caught off guard because of the texas tech incident we'll call it and i think we're just going to come down and probably run the ball and get a 45 to like 20 win and it's it's going to feel out of hand but it, it, it's going to be I think it'll be a two possession game most of the game and then towards the end it'll just kind of spread out yeah I think you're being a little uh a little too kind <laughs> to the Kansas to the Kansas team I think to be honest I think I think it stays pretty low scoring for the beginning just because mm-hmm. um you know I don't think Kansas offense really gets going too much Puka's going to break a run or two somewhere uh, just because that's that's what he does. But the Kansas defense, I think, will kind of slow you guys down for a little bit until you figure them out. Um, probably second quarter. You, you guys probably go into the half, I would say, up by about two touchdowns. Um, yeah. Probably get a pretty big lead in the third quarter, and then Kansas pulls it back a little bit at the end of the game when you guys relax. So I, I do agree that that margin sound, sounds pretty good, but I think it's probably going to be a little bit more low scoring. I don't really have that much confidence in Kansas to be able to score too much. Okay. Um, so I, I think I'm probably going to go with something like a 31-14 or something like that. But we'll have to see how that works out. I don't yeah. think homecoming is going to do us any favors. Um, <laughs> you know, late night, the night before, isn't, doesn't do us any favors when you have an early morning kickoff. So sure. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for joining me. I think we learned a lot about the Oklahoma State team, and it's always great to kind of network with other with other podcasters out there. So how how can the people find you online? Sure. So uh, you can follow us at Tape Doesn't Lie Pod at uh, 
on Twitter. You can reach out to me personally. It's uh, at Michael P. Gift on Twitter. And uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, you know, anywhere you're listening to this, you can probably get our podcast as well. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to get ours on, on Stitcher, but uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of fun there. And and just yeah. to clarify, for, for those listening, I will have a link in the show notes. Um, but tape, tape doesn't lie pod. The pod actually doesn't have the O in it yes. like you normally see. I'm guessing you guys ran into a character limit there. So. Yeah, there was a character limit there. <laughs> There's a lot of incidences. It's hard to name something. I'm sure you understand, but it's hard oh, to yeah. name a thing. Yeah, it's, it's actually <laughs> funny because when we were coming up with a new name for this podcast for a long time, we, we had it named after the site that we were affiliated with. Um, and then I, I decided I kind of wanted in, in our third season to kind of break the podcast off and do its own thing um, sure. just to kind of give it its own identity. I was really shocked to find that rock chalk pod had not been taken yet. So um, I think it's a good name. It's one of the greatest chants. In oh yeah, sports. definitely. Yeah. I just, so you know, I'm jealous with, of that <laughs> with all the, with all the other things that, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different Kansas podcasts and I'm surprised that nobody had jumped on that name yet. So I was really happy to be able to get it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I actually, I think I listened to a couple of your guys' episodes to get ready for this, to kind of get a feel for what you guys do. And it's really great stuff. So anybody who's interested in the big 12, you know, we've got a lot of really good big 12 podcasts all over the place. Um, you know, I, I definitely encourage you guys that are listening to, to jump in and hear what these guys are doing, especially for this week. Do you, do you guys have, have a preview episode up yet for, for Kansas? Yeah. So, uh, we actually do only one episode a week and, uh, this week, our Kansas portion was a little light uh, just because a lot of things happened in the Texas Tech game, so we ended up going pretty long on that. So sorry, Kansas guys, if you wanted to hear what our takes were on you, but it, there was just too much to break down with Texas Tech. Yep, no, I understand how that is. So, all right, well, once again, thanks thanks for, for joining me. Um, I, I hope that we get an opportunity at some point to, to kind of chat again. Yeah, it was a great time. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for tonight's episode. I want to thank everybody that came on to join us. Uh, Mike for talking a little bit about Baylor, Kyle for, for a little bit about basketball, and then Mitch for joining us for the Oklahoma State preview. Um, I think it was another great episode. It was great to hear from all those guys to get all the different perspectives. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big weekend for Kansas Athletics. Um, like I said, we, you know, we do have the uh the late late night coming up um that is actually later later tonight and tomorrow we actually have multiple multiple things uh it is homecoming weekend so there's going to be a lot going on there um we do have the cross country team has a a meet uh, actually in Lawrence it's the Rimrock Farm Collegiate Classic we have obviously the football game the women's tennis is in action uh, out in California at the ITA Women's All-America Championships. And then soccer is actually hosting late that later that night at 7 p.m. They are hosting Iowa State at Rock Chalk Park. That match is on ESPN. Um, I didn't actually mention earlier, but late night is also going to be on ESPN. It's it's being shown locally. It's being shown as part of the the um, national coverage that we have on ESPN. Uh, so I'm sorry, ESPN Plus. So if you do have the ESPN Plus, you should be able to watch late night no matter where you're at. Um, it should be really great to actually be able to see this um, a lot earlier than, than we typically get to. So then on, on Sunday, uh, the rowing team is down in Oklahoma City. Uh, and then we have men's golf is down. No, I'm sorry, it's, it's up in Nebraska with the with the, the, the Jackrabbits. So 
Um, and then finally, let's see, to round out the weekend, we just have those those actually wrapping up there. The, the final thing upcoming, just in case we don't get to have another episode earlier in the week, the volleyball team is next in action um, at West Virginia. I'm sorry, versus West, West Virginia at home. Um, that it would be on Wednesday, October the 3rd at 6.30. It's on ESPN Plus as well. Um, and then the one thing we actually didn't get to, kind of recap from this last week, Kansas went five sets against Oklahoma in Norman. Um, it was a really hard-fought match. It was actually live on ESPNU. Um, there are a few more of those coming up throughout the year, so definitely keep an eye out for those. Um, it was a really exciting match to watch. They actually got down. They lost the first set, lost the third set, um, but were able to rally back for a big win in five sets. So while this volleyball team isn't necessarily quite as good as we were used to, um, with those seniors that, that have gone ahead and graduated. This is still a very good volleyball team and a very competitive conference. Um, I am expecting them still to get into the tournament and pop and, and potentially make some noise. So um, I'm imagining that we'll sometime in the next few weeks here, try to get Jill Dorsey Hall back on to talk a little bit about what's going on there. So um, again, I definitely recommend you guys try to keep in touch as much as you can with all of these different KU programs. Will will keep you up to date on them here. Uh, there's a lot of action to, to, to pay attention to this weekend. Um, so, again, I want to thank you guys for joining me. You can find me um, on Twitter personally. It's at Mr. Brain with two underscores in the middle. Um, you know, Obviously, you can follow us here on Twitter at RockChalkPod. You can email us, RockChalkPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we always want to get your suggestions, your comments, your questions. Um, and, of course, after every single one of the KU football losses that are coming up, I will take all your fire baby comments. So um, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. We will get those read here on the podcast. We we definitely enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, you can catch all of our other work at Rock Chalk Talk. Um, you know, we, we still are putting everything out there. I, I, I definitely appreciate the ability to write for that site and to be able to get that information out there. And we got a great group of writers over there, um, a lot of whom appear here on the podcast every once in a while. So... For for those of you guys that are that are new to the podcast, um, you know we, we do try to do this every every week at least at least once a week. We try to get two a week if if we can. Uh, we really appreciate all you new guys. I actually saw quite a few additional Twitter followers, and it seems to be some new some new listeners. Our numbers are running up a little bit, so I really do appreciate you guys joining in here and listening to what we have. Um, you know we we are striving to be one of the the best and most comprehensive podcast bringing you all the information about the K athletic program. If you have any ideas about any non-revenue sports, any cool, uh, you know, people out in the media you want us to interview, uh, I'm, I'm definitely all ears. Please send me all those suggestions. Again, we really want to do everything we can to make this as, as all inclusive and as, um, as much of a, a resource for you guys to hear about Kansas athletics, um, anything going on with the university of Kansas. So, um, please, 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 um, find us on iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcast from, rate, subscribe, give us five stars if you can. It'd be really, really great. It does help us out in getting our name out there and getting even more people to come into the podcast. So, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and leave that there. Hopefully, we have some good results from the teams. I would be absolutely shocked if we got an upset against Oklahoma State this week, but I would, I definitely wouldn't dismiss it. Um, I would love to see it. So, uh, home, homecoming is probably one of the best weeks to get an unexpected win on because of all the people that are back in wars so um, hopefully we have something at least good to talk about next week when we do get back but thanks again guys for listening and we will catch you next time on the rock shop podcast
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.